0: Welcome to Sagacraft, myths, fairy tales, legends, stories comfort us, inspire us, and heal us. Please join us as we share stories, both old and new. More than anything, we are open to the story and its unfolding. At times, it may be one story told by one person. At times, it's the same story told through three different voices. In the end, we go where the story takes us, and we invite you to follow. I'm C, a
1: writer, artist, and storyteller. I'm Betsy, a medium and teacher of mystery traditions. I'm Gabriella, an artist and practitioner
2: of folk magic. We are are magical magical, fairy fairy godmothers godmothers in in training. training. Today's stories and poems are about our beloved grandmothers and grandfathers. We want to honor them, and we want to think about them today.
1: Here are their stories. Betsy, we would love to hear your story. Thank you. My story is Grandmothers of the North, and it's a story that is a continuation of the story of Disa. For those of you who've listened to The Finn Places, my story in which Disa found a weaving in Iceland. And this is part two of her story. Disa took a deep breath and released the tension that had been building up in her neck and shoulders. The conference on weaving and textiles that she'd been invited to in Glasgow had been busy with new contacts and was intellectually stimulating. She'd been invited to show some of what were billed as her recovered weaving techniques, which she demonstrated for a few hours a day to the participants who went from weaver to weaver in the symposium hall after the talks had concluded. This was one reason for the tension in her shoulders. She was continually asked where her techniques had come from, and she'd shown small hand-drawn renderings of parts of the intact weaving she'd been given in Iceland by the seer Thordis before she'd stepped into the heart of the mountain. This was the second reason for the tension. She was not letting anyone know that she was drawing from an intact weaving. It was in perfect condition and would raise too many unanswerable questions. She had to admit to herself that she didn't want to share any of the discoveries that she was making with the textile piece yet. Another factor was that the piece had come to her through serendipitous time-slipping, and she couldn't explain that either. She couldn't explain Thorntys walking with an elf and a Huldefalk woman into the opening of the mountain Spalkenfell and watching it close up behind them. Oh, and the dog, too magic, no other explanation, not that there aren't many magic things in the world that most people never even noticed as such. But to be labeled as a crackpot this early in her career was something to be avoided. In archaeology and textile conservation, weird things happen which those likewise initiated could commiserate with, but those not, would scoff and loudly. She felt a cool breeze ripple the air behind her. Her senses opened wide. The presence felt quiet and self-contained except for the accompanying breeze. She finished her conversation with the woman in front of her then turned slightly saying, hello. The person behind her moved around and into her view. It was a weathered woman with fading reddish hair and a lot of freckles. She wore an aging aquamarine Shetland sweater with fabulous cables and comfortable old tweed skirt, which had the turquoise thread in the plaid. Her shoes and bag were well-made and older as well. She carried a cloth bag woven of undyed handspun yarn. Her eyes were the only thing about her that weren't faded and they were a piercing turquoise blue. She held the bag out to Disa. Looking closer, Disa said, Nalbinding, it's beautiful, what a lovely pattern. Did you make it? The woman blushed shyly and said, yes, I love to improvise patterns with my bone needles. Most people don't know about this technique. Oh, I was intrigued when I heard about it in my Norse classes at uni. Ah, said the woman, I'm glad you like it for it is a gift to you from me. I'm a messenger who is to bring to you what is in the bag. The bag is my contribution. A messenger from whom? That I can't say. They themselves aren't able to go about much in this world. So I help from time to time. Now I must be on my way. I have a long way to return. No, wait, is there any message with this? Mm I have to say, I wouldn't turn down your gorgeous bag, but what about what's inside? Oh, yes, there is a message. The drawing is a map if you can read it. If not, enjoy what the map is on and that's an end to it. With that, the woman turned and disappeared into the crowd. Disa took the bag, which seemed to be holding something smallish and circular and felt organic. She tucked it under the table into her work basket and turned back to the lineup of people who were standing around her table now. She began to explain her weaving process to them and let one part of her mind enjoy the conversation, while another part of her was replaying the meeting with Lady Turquoise Eyes, as Disa decided to call her. She spent the rest of the afternoon this way and was relieved when the crowds thinned as the sky darkened and evening approached. It was the last day of the conference, and she packed up her weavings, drawings, and her books, which she'd purchased that day. She heard her name called and lit up when she saw that it was Phelan, her friend from uni, come to collect her for dinner and drinks. He lived far to the north and had come down to the lowlands to see her on her visit to Scotland. In school, they'd both been busy and driven, had never been single at the same time though much friendly eyeing of each other had happened in a good-natured kind of way. She wondered what his status was. He let her know he had spent the day in the Hunterian, a museum of history in the city. Once her belongings had been stowed in his Range Rover, nicely worn looking in her mind, she told him about the parcel given to her wrapped in the bag. What is it? he asked. I don't know. I've been dying to look, but unwrapping a mystery needs more than just a cursory look. Tell you what, let me pull over and you can take as much time as you want to look. I'm curious too. Thanks. I'll be able to focus on you more easily once I have looked. I hope so. Let's do it. Disa pulled out the bag and showed him the design. Nalbinding? It's fantastic, he said. You know Naltbinding? Anyone in the North would. It's part of our Norse history. The bag is just the wrapping. She pulled out of the bag a cloth wrap shape which she unwound and eventually revealed a small drum. Well, of all things, I would not have expected this. What does she say about it? That the message was a map. No, the drawing is a map if I can read it. If not, just enjoy what the map is on, and that's an end to it. Hmm, cryptic. Let me get out a torch, and we'll see what's on this drum. The drum was six or seven inches across and had a faint drawing on it, which looked like a sepia-tone type ink. It seemed old and was made with wooden pegs rather than sinew lacing. A piece of some kind of horn was woven into the handle. There was no beater with it. The drawing on the surface was of objects, line drawings, and all of them grouped in a way that seemed quite particular. Phelan whistled and said, that is a beauty. Where is it from, do you think? Circumpolar people, for sure. I suspect that little horn is reindeer. The hide may be as well. He sniffed it. I feel sure it is. How do you know so much about drums? Well, I do play Bodrum and the occasional Kaylee, so I have a fascination with drums. This one is meant to be played with fingertips. This drawing does look familiar too. Let me let it roll around in my brain pan for a bit while we eat and see if it knocks loose something by dessert time. He smiled with his eyes and she saw that they were a light turquoise behind his tortoise eye frames. She looked into his face and his heart, and liking what she saw, she agreed. A frisson of excitement and the feeling of adventure rippled through her. After a hearty dinner and good wine, waiting for coffee and dessert, they turned to the drum. Disa reached into her satchel and pulled out white cotton gloves. After putting them on, she drew out the drum and held it carefully while Phelan shone the torch over it. They both examined the surface, Disa drawn by the individual shapes and Phelan by the whole of it. It is a map, and I think it's the northwest coast of Sutherland, he said finally. Look, he pointed to the central figure. This is a really archaic area. There's a famous place there called the Cave of Bones. I think this map is pointing there. There are thousands of bones of reindeer, lynx, humans, bears, and wolves in the caves dating back thousands and thousands of years. When we get to our hotel, if you still want to, that is, we can pull up the maps and I'll show you." Deesa said, "'Oh yes, I want to.'" The next morning found them heading north to Sutherland. The journey was beautiful to Deesa's eyes, though a part of her was deep in a reverie with the drum. Thankfully, Phelan was happy to do all the driving, while Diza started tapping the drum. Restful by nature, Phelan listened for a while and said finally, a little slower, like the walking of a reindeer on stones and earth, he demonstrated on the steering wheel. Disa listened and then copied it. A different tone could be heard from the drum and soon she was pulled into the sound. She felt herself time slipping and melding with the image of a great cave, of a persistent beat of a drum and of a smoke with the scent of herbs. At some point Phelan said, please stop for a bit if you don't mind or I won't be able to get us there. She agreed and pulled out the battered thermos and poured them both some tea. The journey was about five hours north from Glasgow. Once they arrived at the cave site, now a national park, The signs show that the hike was only a mile, but considered quite a brutal one due to wind and rock scree and elevation changes. The scenery was spectacular, and Deesa thanked Phelan so many times for being not only willing to go there, but to do it in what was an obviously well-thought-out way. Hikes in Scotland are always treacherous, he said, shrugging, and I'm happy to take you where your magic is. She turned and looked at him. He looked steadily back at her. Thank you, she said simply. It will be grand, whatever happens, he said, diffidently, though smiling. It was a brutal hike. Part of the trail brought them into a wind that nearly pushed them off the edge. Each were in their own thoughts, but at one point Phelan said, do you hear that? I think so, said Deesa. She pulled out her knife, cold steel and tucked it into her coat pocket. We're going to need this, I think, she said. Oh, to keep the right timeline accessible, we're already slipping. He cocked an eyebrow at her and she said, time slip is my superpower. We're going back into an earlier time, but I'm ensuring that we can find our way back. Awesome, was all Phelan said. Eventually they saw the first glimpse of the caves. A huge stone guardian sat in front of the row of cave openings. A giant turned to stone. They passed, though not before Disa pulled out whiskey and poured it in front of the guardian, saying loudly, More of that when we return in our own time. The giant grunted agreeably. They made their way into the first cave after Disa plunged her knife into the cave's outside wall, murmuring, We emerge into this today when all is said and done. A drumming sound could be heard from a nearby cave amplified by a stone passageway that proved to be too narrow for either of them to crawl through. Disa felt like a homing pigeon making its way to the home and to food. Why, she had no idea, but all this seemed familiar. She led them unerringly outside the front of the cave, making their way to the cave of the reindeer. In this cave, vast and lit by the remains of the light outside, was a tiny old woman who was singing and beating a very small drum. She was dressed in hides and paint with a necklace of teeth and carved bone. Superimposed over her was an even bigger being, one of the great ice mothers of the glacial period. She was luminous in turquoise light like the sun shining through clear but ancient ice. Phelan dropped to his knees, his lanky height doubling up in a graceful posture. Tears were pouring down his face. Disa approached the women with her drum, now tapping in harmony, copying the rhythm the old woman set. The tiny figure did not change her expression or her posture, but everything else about her was welcoming and embracing. And as Disa came closer, she entered into the space held by the female ice giantess. When she did, a transmission began for her and images and a story of a people downloaded into her brain. Phelan, turn on your recorder on your phone if you have it, she said quietly, levelly, He complied. Ask them if I can photograph them. It's okay, Tisa said. Every memory aid for our poor human memories is acceptable to them. He hummed along with the beat, which was also acceptable to the two beings. Wolf, said the old woman, pointing to him. Yes, he agreed, for that was what Phelan meant. Spirit goddess, the woman said in her mind, pointing to Disa. Yes, she agreed. What was being given to them was a remembrance of the reindeer road, of the place of reindeer and human birth, of the web laid down by the ancestors of each tribe, the two-footed, the four-footed, through trails, carvings, songs, threads, and stone markers walk with us the women cried and they did they awoke to dusk and quiet in the cave they gathered up their things after debating whether to spend the night or not and disa finally said it's over we can go on the way out holding hands the wind now quiet disa gave the bottle to phelan to give to the male rock giant The male giant said, big shoulders shrugging with a sound like falling rock. They summon us and we come.
0: Thank you. That was a lovely story. As always, I just love the descriptions and the way that I can move into the terrain. It was very, very beautiful. I was glad that you addressed the drumming. I was really scared when somebody was driving with drumming in the car. (laughs) Very lovely. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for that story. For me it was really like a memory, like a like a deep calling of the soul. And though I'm out of those places, I feel so comforted by them and I feel so tended by them too. And I really have great great respect and honor for the reindeer and the grandmother reindeer and all those ancient beings that watch over us and weave themselves into our landscape by whatever means possible how did it come to you what was your experience with this story it feels so full of magic and initiation
1: i i guess it came to me in two different kind of pieces um one was knowing that the story was going to be a continuation of Disa's story. And she's such a time slipper. You know, I was curious about where that was going to go. But then the grandmothers came and gave me just a glimpse of them and even a glimpse of the map of where. And it wasn't until the story was about three quarters written that I you know, was looking for, well, where is this exactly, only to find that the cave really exists and is a place that has held or still holds, because they haven't done much excavation in there, but still holds 40,000 years of history in the bottoms of the cave. And what wasn't reflected in the story so much, but turns out to be true, is that it's a place where the reindeer mothers come to give birth and that just kind of blew me away um to find <laughs> that, those particular parts of it So,
2: wow what a gift what a gift you have been a receiver of that of that wisdom
1: and i'm also struck in my own story about the turquoise eyes showing up and the turquoise being that color of that ice mother too. I don't know, there's something really sweet about that. It's that piercing clarity.
2: (laughs) Truly, this story really touched me. Um, I feel like I'll be taking it into my dream state tonight in a really beautiful way to just get a sense of the reindeer and being in that cave with them, and feels like that cave is such a portal.
1: Yeah. I feel happy for Adisa about Phelan also, about somebody who is willing to nurture a woman's magic in a strong and supportive way. That feels really sweet. Indeed. And Gabriella. Yes. So,
2: my story's—it's uh, a love poem, or it's—it's um, it's how I see the ancestors, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, and the way in—the way in which they show up, and this is how they wanted to show up today. I dream of a place that is behind the walls of houses, between the fences, between the dirt road and the field between earth and sky, and there they are. Between the world of gods and us, they watch and dance and sing. They are that someone who can speak the language we have not yet learned. Someone who knows what it's like to be human. For the gods in their majestic power and form may not remember what having a mortal body feels like or to have a heart with a drop of sorrow, or a heart so full of joy that one might break open. Someone that can speak for us, present us in our best light and shadow that it gives meaning to who we truly are. Someone who says, oh great gods of earth and sky, look at this exquisite precious being, look how far they have walked. Watch how they dance, how they sing. See them how we see them, because they are too busy living to be aware. They are too close to see on their own how far they've come. Great gods, make room in your blessing for our granddaughters, our grandsons. Make room for all of our grandchildren. And they rattle the leaves to get the gods' attention, they whirl the winds to make sure that we are seen, noticed protected in this wild and unpredictable landscape of life. The grandmothers wave their scarves into the air to bless the falling rains, and they spread their aprons above our heads like tents so that the storm seems like a sweet spring shower. The grandfathers stand so tall they touch the clouds and stake their staffs into the ground to chase the thunder away and to give us courage in the face of the darkest clouds. They shake the branches of trees when we walk through a dangerous path so the hungry beasts are distracted and do not devour us. Sometimes they befriend these beasts that lurk and send them through as new allies when we are in need. They delight in our laughter and laugh through us when we gather together with dear ones the smoke from their pipes rising above our heads, taking form so they can meet each other, meet the grandmothers and grandfathers present, blessing the happiness and joy of friendship and community, blessing the houses we keep and love we weave now between each other. Other times they are the quiet whisper that you might hear in between sobs when you are alone and you think no one's listening. Their prayers are all around the same prayers that have been the backdrop of your life this whole time, behind the walls, behind the curtain, under the blanket of sleep, always present. Their words like gates open spaces within you that whisper, keep going, sweet one. You are not alone. We are always with you. When I dream of the grandmothers, I dream of the fire they tend to. The fire they sit at, talking all night and sharing sacred remedies needed for our time, taking turns of who stays up and goes to bed so the fire never goes out and their voices can be heard across the waking and sleeping worlds, keeping them in balance. When they sleep and dream, they visit us, opening the gates to our attics and sending ladders for us to climb. In the attics, they sweep the floors, they straighten our clothes and braid our hair. They offer good advice about the things that burden us. They enliven our bodies with their strength and memories. They show us the beauty of the flowers we are becoming from the seeds they planted long ago and hum the song that gave shape to our name. When I wake and meet the day, I offer bread, honey, and milk to nourish them in the invisible places they keep safe for me. I read the messages and the tea I have left for them as I get ready for my day. Thank you, I say. I hope this offering suits you. I hope you are never hungry or thirsty. I hope your path is always clear, just like the path you have cleared for me. And as I light the candle at dusk for them, I say, oh, great gods of earth and sky, make space in your house for my grandmothers and grandfathers, for I carry the light of their hearts inside me. See them how I see them, how they couldn't see themselves before they were too busy living, too close to being who they were and working to keep their children alive and thriving. I honor the burdens they carried so that mine could be lighter, so my hands could lift further towards you. Make the best place for them, just as they have made the best place for me. Great gods of earth and sky, make the best place for them.
0: Very beautiful, thank you.
1: It's my pleasure. It's a lovely prayer, a lovely prayer. With glimpses of the view from both sides, it does feel like a prayer.
0: Yes, I absolutely mm-hmm. like a prayer to me.
1: In previous times, there used to be books about how queens, princes, kings, etc., should comport themselves, and they called those books the mirrors of princes, the mirrors of queens. And this prayer is like the mirror of grandparents, of grandmothers, of how it can be at the best possible level. So I have the feeling that you're, with this prayer, offering it as a prayer from the heart, but also offering it as education for the souls that are continuing to grow in their abilities I think we can always use that kind of wisdom. So on behalf of my grandmothers and grandfathers who I hope are listening, I thank you.
2: I love that mirror idea. And I, because it very much feels to me, even in that prayer, like a mirror world. It's one hand feeding the other. And they're always in that wheel. And I am a believer in in the most elevated way we see something like if we have a whisper or a hope for how things really are even if it's an instant i feel like in that instant is the possibility for that being the truth and the whole truth <laughs> so i'm just
1: i'm gonna hold that yeah and if if as some people say that we help to create the world that spirits are in um, people who are spirits then by creating this type of world for them, we nurture, I think, the living and the dead in this way. So it's very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for
2: letting me share that. And see, we would love to hear your poem.
0: Thank you, yes, I have a poem. It is a pantomb, and it is brief. Flashes of firelight dance on the canvas walls. An old woman hunches over a vat. Shifting shadows reveal our preoccupations as corn is slowly ground. An old woman hunches over a vat. She and the contents are one as corn is slowly ground, thrown into the fire, sending sparks. She and the contents are one. She has lived and died for this moment. Thrown into the fire, sending sparks, as her life has lit up the world. She has lived and died for this moment. Not a second too long or too short. As her life has lit up the world, she has begun to step into another. Not a second too long or too short. She laughs and sways, sending kisses. She has begun to step into another, her calloused feet spanning the gulf. She laughs and sways, sending kisses. She is tethered to both worlds at once, her calloused feet spanning the gulf. She begins to untie the knot. She is tethered to both worlds at once. She knows that this moment is fleeting. She begins to untie the knot. She smiles broadly as she steps through the gate.
1: I love that. Thank you. Well, it's very beautifully written and very beautifully spoken as well. And shared some lovely images with us. Thank you.
2: I'm curious who this woman was to you, if she was anyone to you or if she just arrived as Yeah, I don't as, know
0: her.
2: I don't mm. know her. She's a
0: perfect stranger to me. <laughs>
2: A stranger willing to be seen. I almost see her like the, when the candle flickers and you can, you know, and it's just getting smaller. The light's getting smaller and smaller and you can just kind of see that in and out, the fading. I'm curious about the world she's entering too. So the world of the grandmothers is a beautiful one. I definitely think of my own grandmothers whenever I think of grandmothers, but I also think of the many of all of them together. And it's all wisdom and love and support, wit, laughter, fierceness, whatever else we might need.
1: Practicality, mm-hmm. nurturance and guidance. Wow. Well, i hope that our story our prayer our poem has inspired you to think of different words that you might use to describe your grandparents the remembrances that you might have of them and may those memories are full of
0: blessing thank you for listening to our stories today
1: thank you for listening
0: And special thanks to the fantastic Zoe Magic for her phenomenal editing skills.